pray with me for a brief second. Father God, just thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Father God, that you care for us, Father God, more than we can fathom. Thank you for your grace, Father God, that has seen us through so many a trial and struggle. And thank you that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. You're faithful. We can depend on you. And you're there always. So, Father, we just, we just give you praise and glory. We honor you. And we love you, Lord. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I spoke last week on, you know, on the subject of fear and how fear can lock us up and we and freeze us like a deer in headlights and we have the opportunity to stand for God but fear causes us not to we lose our courage amen and had God encouraged us uh he encouraged us tremendously last week and I'm not going to speak on fear as much this week, uh, there may be a bit of a tie-in, but I'm not speaking on fear this week. Um, based on what God put in my heart this week, I'm just calling this this message uh, "Wells of Salvation," and we're going to start. The whole message is going to be out of John chapter four. I'm in ESV translation for those of you in your U version, e-books, e-bibles, and. It's nothing new here. Uh, we're all familiar with the story to one degree or another. I'm going to start in verse 5. John chapter 4, verse 5. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sakar near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. It's the middle of the day, around noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you don't have anything to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water 
will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. We're going to cover more of that, but you know, sometimes details matter. Maybe a little bit more than just sometimes, but, but details matter. You know, on the surface, this looks just like an issue of water. You know, Jesus is hot, he's thirsty, wants a drink, doesn't have a bucket to draw any water. And along comes this woman from Samaria whose journey was for the express purpose of drawing water. And Jesus says, give me a drink. And you might think this is a bit of a stretch, but yeah, I'm the one with the mic, so. No, seriously, though, that well had more significance than just water to the Samaritans. Now, notice, she gave, it seems like she gave Jesus a bit of attitude when Jesus asked for water, right? She's like, wait a minute, okay? She's having a problem with this question on two fronts. One, you're a man, I'm a woman. You're asking me to give you a drink. Two, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. You people wouldn't even be caught dead with us. So she's really confused right here. How this man can be so cordial with her. How this man could receive her the way that he did. And how he's willing to converse with her. But she's coming there as a Samaritan. Jacob, one of the patriarchal fathers... left them that well. The Jews don't accept them, but they have a connection with someone who has a promise from the Lord. They're on the outside looking in. They're outcasts. The Jews thumb their noses at them. They're not real children of God. There's not much hope. There's not much life in that. But they have connection to the past that says they are accepted. Does that make sense? And so the only thing they had to hold on to was this, was this well, this connection to the past. It represented some form of relationship, but it was a relationship of generations ago that one of their fathers had with God. They're holding on desperately to the promise that God gave to Isaac. How, how many of you can relate to the, to the feeling of, you know, Yearning for the good days. Yearning for the days of blessing. Yearning for the feeling that you knew God was on your side. You knew you were, you knew you were in the favor 
and, and, and will and love of God, but somewhere along the way, things went awry. And all you have left to hold on to is what used to be. That's all they had to hold on to. And I don't think it was any accident that Jesus goes to this well. The one who is the fulfillment of the covenant with their father Jacob. The one who is to usher in a better covenant. Not only fulfill that covenant, but to usher in a better covenant established on better promises. He's come to be the link between what was and what is to be. So there's an opportunity for connection here. An opportunity for the promise to be spoken and fulfilled. So that was my thinking when I looked at it and he says, well, give me a drink. And I'm like, man, in the natural, if we just think about this thing from a a well with water perspective, he's just asking for her to give him some water. But in the spiritual realm, he's like, hey, take your connection to the past. Take your longing and your regret and, and, and your wishful thinking about wanting to be reconnected to those holy times of the past and give it to me. Take the connection that's seemingly broken. And share it with me. That unfulfilled longing deep inside you. Give it to me. There's more than just a thirsty Savior and water involved in this story. And we find in a few, in the next couple of uh, uh, verses... Let's just skip to verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman said to him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. So, Five different men married this poor woman and they all discarded her. Just tossed her away like she was nothing. Having been divorced five times, it appears that she had given up on covenant relationship. Namely, the institution of marriage. Because she is now living with the man outside of marriage. Can you not empathize with her, though? She gave her heart to five different men who vowed before God 
to love and cherish her till death did them part. And all five of them divorced her, leaving her heart shattered in a thousand pieces. I don't know if her sixth man wanted to marry her or not. Kind of sounds like a basketball term, but but I don't know if her sixth man wanted to marry her or not. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But I would understand it if she just didn't want to go there again. Because she couldn't risk entrusting her heart to another covenant breaker. Can you get that? But there was still a yearning deep in her heart to belong to someone who truly cared about her. She wanted to know that she mattered. And I believe Jesus addresses the desire of her heart. when he broached that subject about going to get your husband. Okay, go get your husband. Bring him here. He gave her an opportunity to be transparent. He gave her an opportunity to do what was needed to be done to connect with him for the express purpose of letting her know that she is valued, that she is treasured, that she is worthy of love, that she is a cherished treasure, that she is adorable, That he cherishes her tender and precious and broken heart. In one brief encounter, Jesus basically said to her, you matter to me. I believe that all of that was going on, which prompted her to say, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. There's something different about you. I've had my fair share of experiences with men and, 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 and you're totally different. I live in a culture, speaking of her, she, she's saying, I live in a culture where men don't respect who I am, my gender. I've been in relationships where men did not value me as an individual. I've been in relationships with men who said they would cherish my heart, but they stomped on it and broke it into a thousand pieces. But there's something different about you. There's something different and special about this encounter. You you awaken me. (laughs) You make me feel loved. You make me feel valued. I feel treasured in your presence. Uh, 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 I perceive that, that you're a man of God. I perceive that you're a prophet. And then she just opens up. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus just continues to minister truth to her. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming 
and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. He's like, there's going to come a time where it ain't going to matter. The time is now. It don't matter. We're not talking about mountains and Jerusalem and all these places. We're talking about God being a spirit, and he's looking for people who will worship him in spirit. Won't just tie him to a specific place, time, and location, but they just love the Lord and worship him with all that is within them. And he's still ministering to her. And she says, Lord, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So he reveals himself as the Messiah. So this woman, rejected by at least five men, encounters the Son of God himself. Who embraces her. And conveys to her how valuable she is to him. She didn't matter very much to five men. And if. And if her sixth man didn't want to marry her. You know, he's in the same class as the previous five. Like I said, I don't know if he didn't. Maybe he wanted to marry her. Maybe he didn't. If he didn't, shame on him. If he did, I can understand why she wouldn't want to go there. But she encountered Jesus at the well that she'd gone to many times. A well that was significant to her and her people. Many times she'd gone to that well, gotten water, left. Nothing changed, nothing different. But this one time, the difference was the presence of Jesus. And at that well, she encountered the Savior of the world. And it changed her life. She didn't go there looking for him. She wasn't on her way to church. She wasn't outside the gate called beautiful. She was just living life. And the son of God met her where she was. And ministered life into her heart. So much so.
that verse 28 tells us that the woman just left her water jar, went away into town, and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Now, this is a woman. Again, I want you to pay attention to this stuff, okay? Women were not held in high esteem. Uh, apparently, this woman probably one of the least held in esteem. Going into the community, the same community that she's been burned in five times. So excited after this encounter with the Lord that she just ran into that community just sharing her encounter with the Lord. And it was, it must have been pretty effective because the whole town came out to see what she was raving about. This Samaritan woman was a little lamb that needed to be fed. Hope. It needed to be fed the salvation of the Lord. It needed to be fed truth that needed to be encouraged, that needed to be uplifted. She was a little lamb that needed to be fed. And Jesus fed her soul the love and hope that it needed. He fed her spirit the word of life and truth that it needed. She came there to get water from the well of Jacob, and Jesus nourished her from the well of salvation. And she ran to her people to tell the news. Now, she didn't have the most amazing testimony. But she had a testimony. I'm going to say that again. She may not have had the most amazing testimony. But she had a testimony to give. And she took that testimony and shared it in her community. You can tell by the conversation that she had with Jesus, she didn't have it all figured out. Her theology was a bit of a mess. All she knew was that her encounter with the Lord was real. That he knew everything she ever did and suffered through. That he embraced her and touched her heart with his love. And that he spoke words of life that made her spirit come alive. That's what she knew. That's what she shared in her community. And it yielded amazing results. Go to verse 40 with me. It, verse 40, John chapter 4. So when the Samaritans came to him, so they all came out, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. 
all those people came out to hear Jesus, heard Jesus, fellowship with Jesus, and got saved because of the testimony of a brokenhearted, used and abused woman who found hope in Jesus. That's worth shouting about, isn't it? I love I loved the part where, you know, she didn't have it all figured out. Her theology was a mess. She asked some questions. Jesus gave her truth. And you know what? She didn't try to, she didn't say, oh, well, you know, who am I? I'm not a, you know, I haven't been trained in the synagogues and so forth. Who am I to go tell people anything? No, she had an encounter with the Lord and, and she could not keep it to herself. She had to share it. And her community was blessed as a result. And I would encourage you to let her be an example and an inspiration to us all. You may not have gone to seminary or Bible school. Like the Samaritan woman at the well, your theology might not be completely on point. You may not have it all figured out. You may be confused about some things and, 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 and don't have it all together there. But if you've encountered Jesus, you know him, you've given him your heart, then you have a testimony that your community needs to hear. I ain't heard no amens, but, but <laughs> your theology doesn't need to be on point. You don't need to have it all figured out, but you need to share your testimony. You've encountered him, and that's significant. There's life in your encounter with him. There's hope in your encounter with him. There's joy in your encounter with him. There, there is connection, belonging in your encounter with him. And, that, and those are things that is sorely needed in the world that we live, in the communities that we're in. Our lights, the light of the life of Christ that is in us needs to shine in that community. You know, and, and I've, I've come to a conclusion. Oftentimes, we don't do what the Samaritan woman did because, you know, th there's safety here in the church. It ain't so safe out there. You don't know who you're dealing with. You don't know how they'll respond. People crucified Jesus. What might they do to me? And, and fear, were wild, fear over what might happen, over, over the, the, the brushback or the uh, blowback that we might get can cause us to do what we talked about last week, freeze up 
and not stand up for the Lord and not take the life of God that is what that that well of salvation that is within us it's not allowing us to go out there and draw from it so that people may drink each and every one of us here in this church today that knows the Lord we have a well of salvation on the inside of us. There is a well of living water on the inside of us. And God wants us to draw deep from it that people may drink of the salvation of the Lord. So God is calling your testimony out. Take it to the lost. Take your testimony to the rejected. Take your testimony to the hurting. Take your testimony to the hopeless. Take it to them. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. You are a well of salvation in the Lord. Praise God for the gift that you have and the blessing you are to the body. Praise God for your heart to want to be used in, 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 in any way you can serve here in the church. Uh, we need you in the children's churches, in the, in the, in the, in the baby ministry. We need you to, to do art. We need you to pray. We need you to share the gift of God that is within you. But whether you are used in that way in the church or not, there is a great commission that applies to all of us. He called us to go out into all the world and make disciples, right? So he's called us out of the church, into our communities, into our neighborhoods, into our jobs, into our schools. He's called us to be wells of living water that people can draw from and drink of the life of God and enter into the salvation of the Lord. Those people will not be able to do it if the wells aren't out there where they're at, where they're living life. So God wants to shift our paradigm. He wants to he wants to he wants us to be the laborers that are out there reaping the harvest that the, the harvest field that is white and ready. And I want to encourage each and every one of you that not only is he calling you he's made you capable. Don't believe the lies that says you can't do this. Oh, oh, no, no, no. I don't know enough. Uh, I, I couldn't possibly be effective in that. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea. You don't have to. Do you think Moses knew what he was doing when God sent him to go say, set my people free? I got to imagine Mary didn't know what she was doing when she was hearing that stuff the angel was telling her about how she was going to get pregnant and bear the, the savior of the world. We don't have to have it all figured out. 
We don't have to have it all together. But what we do have is worth sharing. What we do have is a message worth hearing. It's a message that needs to be heard. It's a message that will bear fruit in our communities. It's a message that will get people saved. Your testimony matters. And God is calling that testimony out in you. And I'm not going to, uh, you know, lay hands and pray on everybody and so forth. We'll do, we'll do something corporately, but, but God is calling you out. He's challenging you and calling your testimony out. And, and, and if there's anyone here that whose heart is pricked by that and has decided to, to choose right now, to answer that call, to respond to it and say, you know what, Lord, I've got a testimony that my community needs to hear. And Lord, I, I commit to you, Lord, I respond to say, I am going to share my testimony in my community so that people can draw from that well of salvation that is within me. If that's you, I, I just want you to signify that just by coming forward. I just want you to come forward and we'll thank the Lord for it and we'll ask the Lord to bless you. Hallelujah. Because our community needs us. There's so much to complain about. There's so much that's got us worried. There's so much negativity and so forth. But we have the opportunity to make a difference. To be something more than bystanders, but to be difference makers for the kingdom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father God, oh God, you're such a wonderful God. Father, I just thank you for the testimonies that are in this place right now. I thank you, Father God, that for all of those who once were lost, but you found them. I thank you for all those here that represent those who are without hope. Hallelujah. But now they have the hope of glory. I thank you, Father God, for all of those here, Lord, who've been broken, who've been hurt, who've been cast aside, who've been rejected. But they've been made whole again because you embraced them, because you received them, because you loved them, because you healed them, hallelujah, and made them whole. Father, we just thank you for all the miracles that are represented in this place right now, Father God. The miracle of of, of healed hearts. The miracle of souls who are now, who now have peace that were once full of unrest and anxiety and turmoil. I thank you for each and every miracle represented here today, Lord. And I thank you for those who have stood up 
and those who have said, my testimony will be heard in my community. That the joy of the Lord that is within me, I'm taking it to someone who needs that joy. The peace of God that I have, I'm taking it to someone who needs peace. The hope that I have, I'm taking it to the hopeless. The life that I have, I'm taking it to the dead that they may live. And Father God, I just be, I declare courage on them. I declare the boldness of a lion upon them, Father God. I, I, I declare a determination and a just will not be denied attitude about them, Father God, that they're going to take the truth of the gospel. They're going to take the word of their testimony, Father God, to people that need to hear it, that those people may respond to you. And enter into the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. We receive your anointing for this, Father God. We receive your blessing. We receive your grace, your divine enablement. Father, we don't know who, how people will respond. Some people might get ugly and, 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 and might hurt our hearts, but that won't deter us. We'll practice forgiveness, we'll love them anyway, and we'll pray for them, and we'll keep marching on in our community with the, test, with the glorious testimony that you have given each and every one of us. And we will do it for your glory and for your honor. And we will do it because we know your heart, that you are not slack concerning your promises. Hallelujah. But you are long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. We will continue because we know the heart of our God. And we give you glory. Honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.